Well, good morning, everybody. So good to be with you this uh, after Valentine's Day Sunday morning. And as you can see, maybe if you've been around here before, this is a little different than normal. But this morning, I am excited because I've asked Pastor Rachel to come and to join me. And we are going to just kind of talk about our life a little bit, our relationship uh, from dating in college through uh, getting married super, super young, now five children, and even looking to the future a little bit. And uh, so I pray that this morning you are encouraged and you are blessed. If today you are married, if you are maybe like a bunch of these on the second row right down here, uh, you're not in the marrying, marrying, that's a new word I just came up with, <laughs> marrying age, the marrying age. Uh, and you guys should not be dating either. Isn't that right, parents of these kids up here? Yes, thank you. They're way too young, so you don't have to worry about that part. Uh, but I believe that every person in this room is going to walk away with some nuggets today, and you're going to know maybe our heart just a little bit uh, from where we are, from what we, where we've come, and where we're going. And so thank you, pa Pastor Rachel, for being with me this morning. And a few weeks ago, she uh, preached a message on Joseph, and it was awesome. And so just thankful for your just gifted uh, communication and uh, gifted mama, uh, as she is uh, such a huge part of raising our five kids and homeschooling all five of them. From 7-year-old to 13-year-old, uh, just so cool. Almost 14, right up here. My Elizabeth, our oldest, is almost 14. It's hard to believe, but that's where we are. So this morning, we're going to dive in. As We just have a whole bunch that we would love to talk about, work through this morning. And uh, hopefully, once again, you are blessed uh, in a big way. Now, first, just to jump in, we're going to start when we are both at Central Bible College uh, in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, I loved Central Bible College, loved just the whole experience. But when I was a senior, I had a big, big thing I really had goals of. Number one, at Central Bible College, maybe others too, but they said, you know, ring by spring or your money back. That was like a thing that, that a lot of the students said. And it just didn't happen for me the first spring or the second spring I was there. But the third year when I went, it, it happened, so I didn't get any money back. So I was a little bummed on that part, but I walked away with a wife. So it was good. I did get it my first year, so I don't know. Favor, favor from the Lord. That's right. That's right. Just highly blessed, highly favored. But um, we, we were there. I was a senior. I had done all of my schooling in three years so that I could graduate to get back for this building to be opened. I wanted so badly to get back to be a part of the team here and uh, just a part of that. So I was her RA of her, or of her, of her uh, orientation class. There we go. So in other words, not of her hall, Central Bible College, not co-ed dorms. Praise Jesus. Don't send your kids to co-ed dorms. Probably not setting them up for success. That would be my guess. Um, but uh, we, were, we were there. I was the RA of her group. And she was one of the students in the group. And her mom, she just happened to notice uh, that, first of all, the, the back of the whole Central Bible College chapel was glass. So you could see in from the outside into the main area. And she noticed that I talked to Rachel only of the group of people that I was orienting on how to, you know, just life of Central Bible College. She's like, she told her when she left. Yeah, I told my mom she was wrong. My mom's like, you know, he only talked to you in the whole group. He likes you. I'm like, no, nah, he doesn't like me. Mom, he has a girlfriend. Like, he doesn't care about little freshman me. <laughs> so, as she mentioned, I had a girlfriend, which means I had a few things I had to do before being able to date her, like break up with that girlfriend, because that wouldn't be right to have two girlfriends. So I, I went the right order, broke up with my girlfriend. We started dating very quickly. Uh, in fact, her dad, Randy... Uh, I love, I love just the whole process, really took care of his girls and wanted the, anybody that dated them to ask a few things, like to date, to kiss, to marry, you know, like go and have a conversation. Uh, those are not, not bad options. Uh, all they the girls not. will disagree. And I, can I say, just as from a kid's perspective on that, I never, ever resented my parents for the rules that they had in place for me for dating. Um, some other people probably thought they were weird and it was out there like, oh, you have to ask to like hold hands or to kiss or whatever. But I knew that my parents' heart for me was to protect me and that they wanted the best for me. And my parents, I knew the love that they had for me. So I never once was like, oh yeah, that's a terrible rule. I hate that my parents have that rule. So. And so I asked him, can you, I know, can I date your daughter? And uh, he was like, oh, you know, basically, yes, knew a little bit about me since we had known each other for about a month. So, you know, long time. And uh, he just said, just take it nice and slow, which 
if you know me, I don't know if that's my spiritual gift, is taking things slow. I'm not sure. I try to. go get it. I, I am more of, you know, so that night, I, afternoon, I guess, uh, took her to the, the nicest pond in Springfield, Missouri, which isn't saying a lot, but we went to this pond, we walked around the pond, and uh, I asked her to be my girlfriend in just a real romantic way, which was... But hey, so, you know, I really like you, and I'd like you to be my girlfriend, but in a few months, I'm going to be graduating, and I'm going back to Ohio, and if any time between now and then, you decide that you're not coming with me, then let me know so I don't waste my time. Pretty That's sure right. exact words. And what Sup did I say? And she said, I don't think that will be a problem. And so that's just how it all got kicked off. Like, and I called my dad that night. I was telling my parents, hey, Chris just asked me out. He asked me to be his girlfriend. And my dad's like, he said he was going to take it slow. That was really fast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, that's how that went. That was in September. Uh, I had, once again, already broken up with my other girlfriend. So we're good on that front. And then November, I, uh, I asked if I could talk with him. He thought, you know, to hold hands or to kiss or something. And I just skipped those things. He might have thought that because that might have been kind of what I alluded to, which was came a lie. with the question he was asking. So, I mean, it was it's a true. given. It's so true. it wasn't lying. It is true. It is true. So I asked him to be, or I asked if I could marry his daughter. Uh, once again, we were now, what, three months into knowing each other. And uh, I've never, ever seen him speechless except for that one moment. He was not expecting that. And it, it took him a minute or so to com regain his composure. And we talked for like another minute. And then he said yes. And uh, it was exciting. And Rachel and her sister Sarah, they were out driving their car around waiting for our conversation to be done. We felt it'd be awkward for us to be there during that conversation. So yeah, we drove around and we would drive past the house and look in the window and we're like, they're still at the table talking. Like, it looks serious. You know, I wonder what they're talking about. We can't go back yet. I get back and he's like, yeah, that conversation took like two minutes. You could have come back anytime. And it was just a good thing. Like, we believed that it was what God had and we believed it's where we were supposed to be going. But a few things in that process, and for some of you, I don't care if you're like we were at the time, I believe 18 and 20 or so, or 18 and 21, um, or maybe you're much older, you're later on in life, and you are in a place where if God would give you a spouse, you would take that blessing from the Lord, wherever you might be, uh, a few things, and one that really jumps out to me is that the principles of the Word of God, I talk about it all the time, but when we live under these principles, under the Word, your life is better. Your life goes better. Your marriage goes better. In fact, your future marriage, if you are not married, married will go better if you live under the principles of what the Word of God says. Research would show uh, that, that marrying young without ever having lived together with a partner makes for the lowest divorce rate. Now, I don't think it means like 18-year-old, some of you that are like 17, 15, like we're not talking like that. But in other words, to, to get into a relationship, to not do things you shouldn't. This was not from a Christian's perspective, but we know the word. We know why. To not live with somebody and do things that are not biblical in nature, if you do what the word says, then your marriage will be blessed. And what is about a 50% divorce rate in our culture goes way down when the principles of the word are used prior to marriage. And I want to encourage you that in every area of your life, that that is a true statement. That if you live in the word, you spend time in the word, you live out the word, then everything you do is going to be statistically better for you. Your relationships, your friendships, your job, your business, you know, whatever those things may be. May be. And so I want to encourage you that the word of God must be the foundation of any relationship or else we completely miss the whole point of what God wants to do. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, it says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness without lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light without darkness? And I want to encourage us in the room today that if we believe what we say we believe, we believe what we sing that's on a screen, we, we believe who Jesus is, then there's no place in our life to get into deep relationships with people that don't serve the same God. There's no place to, to marry somebody that we don't, aren't going the same direction. You can't be united and be going the, a different direction. And so young people in the room, there might be, or middle-aged person or person later on in life that you are not married, there might be someone that's super attractive, they might be super nice, they might be a lot of words you could throw in there. 
if they don't know the Lord and honor the Lord and walk in the Lord, it's all going to fall apart. Because we've been told in the word what to do. We've been told how we should live. And so I want to encourage you, maybe one person in the room that you're dating someone that deep inside you know is not spiritually beneficial for you. If I can, as a, a dad of the room, as a pastor of the house, there's only one thing that's the right thing. Pray for them, yes. Believe that they're going to come to know the Lord, yes. And get out of a relationship that's not a biblical relationship. That is so important. And so when I think about our relationship from a young age, being young, uh, we had principles that we lived by. It wasn't by chance. It wasn't by, oh, well, we were serving the same Jesus, going towards the same goal. Her, she wanted to be a pastor's wife, and I wanted to marry someone that wanted to be a pastor's wife, right? Because that's what we were going to do. All the other stuff we could figure out, but we had to be going the same direction. And something that made me comfortable as a young person, only knowing her eight months, was that her family, those that were serving the Lord and those that weren't serving the Lord, Divorce was not a part of their life. Divorce wasn't something that was all in their family. And, and that could be, and you might marry somebody that their family has had divorce in the past. But the key is, what is her heart in this case? Or what is that person's heart? Is divorce an option in marriage? And based on the word of God, if we're following the Lord and going after the Lord, then divorce is not something that should happen. Because we're not going to do the things that would make it okay for a divorce. We're not going to be abusive to each other. We're not going to do those things. And when it's difficult, we're not going to run to or even let that be something that, that comes up in our conversation because we're going to stand on the word that two have become one. And until death, we're going to serve one another. We're going to honor one another. We're going to go after one another. And that starts in dating. That starts at the ages of these young people right up here. That starts in preschool. People, young people, seeing their parents honor and respect and walk in the Lord that will give them and gave us the best opportunity to date well and to then step into marriage well. And it's being intentional that, you know, as Christians, you know, we were, we were going to be in ministry. And so dating is difficult. Keeping yourself pure, keeping yourself in the right places, doing the right things is difficult for anybody, even Christians, even people planning to be pastors. And so when you're walking in a dating relationship, then you have to be intentional to set set boundaries for yourself, for both of you separately and both of you together before you're even dating somebody that you set up. These are things that are non-negotiable for me. This is something that I will not do. This is something that that person must be. Because if not, then you're going to find someone comes along and you're like, oh, they think I'm cute. They really like me. They talk nice to me. They do nice things for me. And you'll find yourself in situations that you don't want to be in and that will set you up for failure if you are not intentional in setting those boundaries now before you even get into those places and in those positions. And speaking of like even the waiting is, you know, if you jump right with the first person that looks your direction, then you could be doing yourself a disservice if you're just not finding yourself sound in the Lord and in your relationship with him. When you're in a waiting season, it's intended to dig deep in the Lord and to find strength in him and to find who you are in him. So whether you're a teenager or you're a young adult who thinks that you should be getting married before you're 30 or you're someone who is older and you still haven't found that someone or maybe you're in a season where you don't have your spouse any longer and maybe you wanna, you're going to be stepping into that again. No matter what it is, you're in a waiting season, and that's a time to dig deep in the Lord. And specifically for you ladies, I want to encourage you. In Proverbs 18, verse 22, it says, that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Ladies, it says that you are a good thing. And so if you're a good thing, then you need to believe that about yourself and understand that you are worth the waiting, that you are worth not just chasing after a guy and finding a guy. Let a godly man seek the Lord and then pursue you because that's what you want. You do not want to chase after somebody because you're worth more than that. You are a good thing, and that's what Jesus thinks of you, and that's who you are. So in the waiting, dig deep in Jesus. Let him be what's most important to you, and then you'll set good godly boundaries, and you'll be set up for what the Lord has for you in your dating, and then in your marriage. Yeah, and I believe so strongly that what we see, we're such a visual society, it's easy. Maybe you go to the gym, maybe you go wherever to find the person that looks like what you want, which is great. 
But that does not matter when it comes right down to it. Long term, the, the eyes or the figure or the whatever, whatever your thing is, it does not matter. And it's not going to help you have a long, happy marriage. What's inside, who you are, what you're about, what they're about, that's what matters way more than all the other things. And I found, I was blessed with, that when you seek the Lord, that he gives you then the desires of your heart. He takes care of the eyes and the figure, the whatever, the muscles, the whatever your thing is, right? He takes care of those things. Not because that matters first, but because the Lord is good. He's a good father. He's got you. He, he'll give you the person that you need. But when we look in the wrong way, we miss the important things for the temporal things. And that makes life very difficult. There's nothing more important beyond our relationship with Jesus than letting God lead you to the, the man or the woman that God has called you to, to. To let that relationship be with a person that honors the Lord and goes after him. Uh, when we were in this dating spot, I mentioned that uh, we then uh, jumped pretty quickly into marriage. And so eight months after coming to know each other, uh, then all of a sudden we were May 21st. We were in this spot of, uh, here we go. It's time to get married. And it was a big deal because I graduated, I believe, May 4th, uh, just a few weeks later. Actually, my mom kind of did the whole wedding. We weren't here. She kind of uh, did her best to try to get the heart of Rachel of what she wanted, what I wanted. But it was interesting because I grew up here at Radiant Life Church since birth. Pastor Dave, Pastor Kay was here in the first service in the room. Uh, they started the church in 1980. I was born in 1984. By 1988, at four years old, I came to know the Lord and I had the dream, my firefighter dream, was that someday I was going to come and be on staff with my dad and then take over the church uh, when he retired. Like, that was my prayer. And I don't know that dad is retired yet. That's not quite the right word. But all of it has happened, right? I'm in this spot. And so when I came home, that's exactly it. Everybody knew me. Everybody, my friends were here. The people I grew up with were here. Rachel, not so much. Rachel had been in Missouri, in Kansas City. This was all new, all new people, all new family that was close. She was super close with her mom and dad, who were now multiple states away. It was a difficult process of moving from what was normal and com comfortable for her to now only what was normal and comfortable for me and to a group of people that, and a lot, a lot of you, or a lot of uh, people that were around knew that my goal and my, my desire was someday, if the Lord would lead, to become the lead pastor. They knew who I was. And um, a couple things that we learned really early on, then I'll let Rachel mention or touch on a couple things there, are, first of all, if someone comes home, uh, it is a good idea not to get wrong and call that person, Rachel, the guy's ex-girlfriend's name. That's not good. Just throwing that out there. Uh, that might have happened a few times, right? And she's like, what? Uh, so people are like, man, he must have a type because you look exactly like his ex-girlfriend. Not helpful. Not helpful. Thank you for that scoff. Like, oh, man. And for the record, right? I look nothing like nothing her. Nothing like I think our her. hair color at that time might have been similar. Yes. You know, those sorts of things. It's kind of like, which was not the case, thankfully, but don't go up to someone and say, oh, you're pregnant. That's so great. You can't get that one wrong. Like, you got to know. Just don't assume, right? There's things that are better not to assume. And so in the process of Rachel coming home, it was like, I am here, and she just wasn't known by anybody, and a lot of things happened that made it like, they think I'm your ex-girlfriend. Like, that's who everybody thinks I am. Uh, it was difficult, and understandably so. The first year of our marriage was by far the most difficult year of our marriage because we were young. We didn't know what we were doing. We were trying to figure out this whole thing called life and jobs and all of these things with me being in where a place I was comfortable and her not. And I want to just encourage you, have grace. Maybe you're a young married. Someday you might be a young married if you're not married in the room. Have grace for each other that you're figuring it out. You're trying to figure out what a toothbrush, like what should happen with that once you've used it. Where does it go, right? What everyone jokes about, but it's kind of a real deal, which way the toilet paper goes, because soon after marriage, that's annoying if it doesn't go the right way for both people. It's ridiculous how it is, but it's just one of those things. All of the things, in fact, maybe in the room there's some of you that you're like, one of them are super clean, super clean, and one is kind of uh, not as super clean as the other one. Uh, so everything's got to be spotless, and the other one's like, why? 
That's for later. It's fine. Those things become huge things, which is why are you committed to loving and to honoring one another, or are you committing to wanting the other person to love and honor you? Because marriage doesn't work if you want them to honor you. Marriage works if you want to honor and lay down your life, the biblical model of the church, of what Jesus did for us, laying down his life for his bride. And now we, I get to lay down my life for Rachel, which means sometimes maybe even my preference doesn't happen or that's not what matters because my preference is not near as important as it's having a good relationship. And all of the little things I mentioned so often, those are the big things when it boils down. The little stuff becomes big stuff. But when we honor one another, the little stuff doesn't matter. It truly does not matter. And which then helps you focus on what does matter, getting to know each other, getting to, to know how to serve one another. And that is such a, just a huge element and part of marriage is grace and honor for one another. If this is your first year or your 31st year, grace and honor for one another. Are we loving and caring and believing in the other person? Yeah, all through scripture it shows that love is not just a feeling, but it's an action. And, you know, when you're dating, you have all these feelings of like, oh, I love you. I can't wait to spend all my time with you. Like, why do you have to leave at night? You know, all those sorts of things. And then you get married. And sometimes then there are moments when love becomes a choice. When it's like, I don't really feel that at the moment. I'm angry. Or I'm what? I know. I'm, I'm sorry. Did you not ever know that I sometimes feel angry <laughs> with you? Um, no, but the point is, is... That is not my fault. That's her issue, I'm sure. It's my issue. I know. I know. I should just, like, look past it and just love you. I do. And that's the point, is that even in those moments when people are frustrating or... And that's whether it's in your marriage or it's in friendships. Like, it stretches across relationships because loving one another is a choice. And so when... But when you choose to love each other, you choose to serve one another, you choose to be the hands and feet of Jesus to each other. And when you are serving each other, then your relationship with the Lord is stronger too. And when your relationship with the Lord is strong, then your marriage is stronger because it, it is a secular thing. Like when you serve Jesus, you serve your spouse better. And so to be a servant and to love one another is going to bring you closer to God. It's going to bring you closer to one another. And that is what... Jesus looks like. We should be able to be that and be that support for each other, for your spouse. And, you know, when I uh, think about Romans 12, 10, it says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And that truly is what marriage is. If you want a healthy marriage, or maybe I would say if your marriage is not healthy, right there is the place to start, is to honor your spouse above yourself. And if we can change our mindset from what I need, what I need, what I need, what I want, what I want, what I want, to what does my spouse need? What does my friend need? That might be what does my boss need? <laughs> like all things in our life, but with our marriage, when it turns to what does Rachel need, then all of a sudden we find health together. Our life is great. Our marriage is great. And then what I want happens way more often but it goes the exact opposite. If I need this and want this and have to have this from my spouse, and that's all the time, anybody else, that's annoying. If you've had a friend or maybe a spouse or a situation where it's been like that, that's annoying. And in our life, those annoyances in marriage become big deals quickly because you're with each other all the time. So when we learn to honor, to love, to care, then we can have success in our, in our marriage. When, when you understand what your spouse needs from you, so how do they need to be shown love? It might not be the way that you think. Or you might know how they need to be shown love, but you might not know how they need that demonstrated. So if they need words of affirmation, they need to be affirmed. If physical touch is their love language, that you might think that you're meeting those needs, but having open communication with one another so that you can truly give and take and you can know, like, I want to serve you. I want you to be happy. I want you to know that I love you. And I understand that you might not receive love the same way that I do, 
I want to know, am I meeting your needs? Am I showing you love? And if not, then how can I do that better? And that's not a diss on you. It's not to say you're a terrible person or you're not hitting the mark as a spouse. But our goal should always be to growing with one another and growing as ourselves and growing in our relationship. And so we should be willing to hear those things so that we can truly love one another better. And that's in the long run going to make your relationship stronger. Absolutely. Great marriages don't happen by luck or accident. They are the result of a consistent investment of time, thoughtfulness, forgiveness, affection, prayer, mutual respect, and a rock-solid commitment between a husband and wife. And, you know, each one of those things on the screen, those are difficult. Sometimes just being thoughtful consistently is difficult. I'm going to be real honest. I don't know that that's my number one gift in life to my wife. It's a choice I have to make to be thoughtful. I, I don't like cards and little things, and it costs money, but we could save that money and put it towards something way more important, right? That's like my natural thing. So that means I have to be thoughtful and make a choice to be thoughtful. My wife is naturally thoughtful, and her thoughtfulness sometimes I'm like, why do you waste money on that? Like, we could save that and buy something I want. Like, literally, if you're married in the room, you've had those exact same sorts of things, whether it's with that, whether it's with affection. A huge one that sometimes Rachel, who physical touch might not be her number one, and then me, who that definitely is my number one. That that means there's got to be give and there's got to be a, a love for one another that says that might not be my number one thing, but I'm going to sacrifice and fulfill your needs in physical touch or in words of affirmation and all of these things, which isn't doesn't make me feel the best when I do something necessarily for her. But then as it goes, you know what happens? All of a sudden it does. Like All of a sudden as I serve her and honor her and respect her and love her and take care of her, then all of a sudden I enjoy it because it's not about me anymore. It goes from selfishness, who I am and what I want, to care and love. And then the stuff that I desire, guess what happens? When you serve and honor almost every, every time, that other person begins to serve and honor in a new way to you. And so each one of those things, thoughtfulness, forgiveness, that's a, a huge one. If you live with anybody or have a friend or you are alive, there's good opportunity at some point to, ha to need to give forgiveness and need to ask for forgiveness. Like, right, there, there's those moments that come up. And if you live with someone basically all day, every day, minus work, if you're with, there's going to be times when you, and maybe many times when you need to, to let forgiveness be a part of your life. And that's not always easy. And I want to encourage you that it's easier to forgive and it makes it easier process if there's words and things that you're not going to do. Don't call your spouse names. That's not helpful, right? Like, fight fair. You have to fight fair. Uh, I mentioned before that divorce is not an option in our life. There's never been one time in our marriage where we've said, well, that, like, that word doesn't come up. That is not allowed to come up because there would be no point in that word coming up because we're not doing that. So what is it that you will do and won't do? And you have to decide beforehand. And if you're a little more uh, hot-headed maybe than another, you have to work really hard to fight fairly so you don't crush your spouse in something that is literally about toilet paper or toothbrush. And it's so easy to do. And we say, no, I'm not going to do I'm not going to call you something. I'm not going to, we're going to work through, and sometimes you might get upset, but then we're going to be able to figure out forgiveness a lot easier because we didn't just tell them that we wish they would die and that they're a terrible parent and whatever, you know, whatever. But we can do those things quite easily if we're not careful. And so forgiveness, uh, affection, prayer, spending time in the word, it all comes down to if we respect one another and we know, and we know for each other that we're going to stick this out no matter what happens. The easiest times and the most difficult times where we respect each other and we're going to see it through to the end. Then we can fight fair. We can do life together well. We can see health in our marriage and our family because we're doing this together and we love each other and we care for each other. And not just the emotions, but the choice of taking care of one another. Yeah, awesome. Um, so we're going to jump into this next season of your life. And that is when, you know, you've dated and you're married and now you add children to that mix. And some people, it's like real early in your marriage that that happens. Or some, it might take a long time, like further on in your marriage. But it throws a new level of learning how to love one another and work with one another than what you had when you were just newly married. And so 
Um, yeah, what's that, what's that look like? You yeah, think? you know, something that I think I see a lot happen is when a man and a woman, they're married, it's all about each other, and then the kid is thrown into the mix. There's like eight kids right here in the second row. Just so you know, you all are very difficult, very difficult. From day one, you're difficult. As a little baby, uh, it's all about your mom and dad, and then all of a sudden, it's all about your bottle or your food or your diaper change or it's all about you and I want to encourage parents in the room maybe you have young ones in the room it has to be about them because if you don't take care of them they die if you don't feed them they die right like it has to be about them you can't just like leave them for a few days because you're you're over it no that's not what I'm saying but in your walk with each other it is so vital to keep each other as the number one thing in your life it's God and you, and it's God, and then it's you and your spouse. Your kids are below that. And if your relationship, if our relationship stays good, then our kids are going to have a better life. They're going to have better parents. They're going to have a better home life. And sometimes when kids come into the mix, then parents lose sight of each other, and they focus on kids, and that relationship breaks down between husband and wife. And then, you know what's really difficult? To be a good spouse when you're exhausted, when you haven't actually talked in weeks or months because it's all about kids, or maybe even later on in life. Now we're, we just chauffeur kids here and chauffeur kids there, and we don't even hardly see each other, and it's difficult, and it's about sports, it's about whatever, it's all in and out and doing all this crazy stuff that's good, but we lose sight of each other. Then marriages struggle, and then families struggle, and problems arise, and so if we can keep the marriage, number one thing, and then us together pouring into our kids, then you can have a healthy marriage and healthy home and healthy children. And I would encourage you, maybe you're in a place that it's just a little frustrating at home. You've got older kids or younger kids. You can do it. You're going to be okay. But focus on your spouse. Care for your spouse. Let your life be fun. And then some of the difficult things that are also fun. Parenting's fun, but sometimes it's less than fun, right? But if you're together in it, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And I want to encourage you, your spouse is most important. And then your kids, as you pour into them, it's going to be healthy. Hey, Avery and Elizabeth, what is Thursday in our home? Date day, right? And our family, our kids know Thursday is date day. And that's when mom and dad go on a date. And that is consistent in all the time. Date your spouse. Don't let it stop when you when you're done dating and you get married, date each other and be intentional about it. Set aside time. If you have to put it on your calendar, put it on your calendar and let it be a non-negotiable because your kids need to see that your spouse is important to you and that, and honestly, that they, your spouse is more important than they are. They're going to feel loved. They're going to know that they're cared for because you're a good parent and you're going to show your kids love, but to show that your spouse matters to you, they're going to see that. And in the long run, that matters significantly. Yep. It's huge. And I want to encourage you, even in showing your kids, some parents, I feel like, uh, and some people are not quite as public, let's say PDA, public display of affection. You like, you know, you walk five feet apart from your spouse when you're out. Uh, some of you, that's just your, how you are. Uh, I would encourage you to change that. I'm going to be real, even if it's not natural. But sometimes at home, it's even more, it can be more that way. And I want to encourage you, if you have kids at home, they should see you holding hands and playing around. They should see you kissing and not like maybe everyone, uh, like a, you know, every seven month peck on the cheek, but sometimes making them feel just a tad uncomfortable, I truly believe is a great thing for your children. They, they should see you love one another. And you know what? Then they have a model that someday when marriage happens, that it's not just like a boring my parents don't care. They never touch each other. They never kiss. But whenever I watch TV and I watch relationships and I watch young people and I watch people, unfortunately, if your kids watch any TV, when they're sleeping around on TV and when they're doing all this other crazy stuff, TV, by the way, if you haven't figured out, not good. Like It's all garbage, right? It does not line up with the word of God. It does not have biblical principles. So they see it and then there's all this passion and there's excitement, but then they see mom and dad at home never even kiss each other. That's not a healthy demonstration for your children. And I would encourage you that maybe you've even been taught differently. I would encourage you to let that be a switch in your life. And even if it's something you have to make yourself do, talk about it. You know what? 
I think Pastor Chris is right. You can disagree if you want, but then you're wrong. So you should, you should change. But, just kidding, kind of. But <laughs> they need to see you love each other in an appropriate, right way, obviously. I'm not saying anything crazy. But they should see you kiss each other. They should see you, and every once in a while, be a little uncomfortable. Because like, Mom, Dad, like, uh, sometimes students, uh, this makes you feel comfortable, I'm sure, but, you know, get a room sort of a thing. They should every once in a while be like, Mom, Dad, you know, get a room. They don't have to say the words, but it's healthy. It's healthy. And they're going to see your love for each other in a different way than only talk and only what's biblical. They're going to be able to see that and know that someday their relationship's going to be good too. They're, they're going to one day have a spouse, and it's going to be fun, 17 years into marriage, where Avery or Avery a lot of times like, hey, kiss mom and dad, like loves to, why? they want to see parents that love each other and care for each other. And some of you are uh, kids up here are laughing, like, I never want to see that. And I pray your, your parents make you so uncomfortable because of the, just they love each other. And you're like, ah, because it's important. It's, it's vital. I think it makes them feel secure. Because like you said, they're seeing it on TV and they're seeing it in those places. And so that is their view of what marriage and relationships should look like. If they, don't, if they don't see you as their parent, love one another in that way, that is their view of it. And they could feel insecure. They're seeing their friends uh, have parents that split up all the time. Um, and even to see healthy argument, and that's not to say you should not fight in front of your kids. It should not be an all-out, like, screaming match. But they should see you health, like, have a healthy disagreement with one another and work through that. Because they need to see health in that. They see dysfunction all the time everywhere. They need to see what a healthy relationship looks like. And that takes us back to having Jesus being the center of your dating, of your marriage, of your parenting. In Deuteronomy 11, verse 18 through 21, it says, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. They need to see Jesus in you. They need to see that Jesus is the most important relationship in your life. They need to see how Jesus is at work in you. They should see the gospel in your marriage. And they should, your marriage should be one that they want to imitate. It should be one that they want to have be the marriage that they have someday. And how do we do that? It's through our relationship with Jesus. It's through having that be constant. I mean, it's talking here that you're talking about Jesus. You've got, you don't have to have scripture posted all over your house, but that that is what's coming out of your mouth, and that's what they're seeing. They should see Jesus when they see the two of you in your relationship with one another and when they see how you are to them. That's the example that they should be able to see. And we just talked 10 minutes on parenting without actually mentioning kids. Like, I believe so strongly that if you and your spouse, you and your future spouse, you and people around you, if you have healthy relationships, friendships, it's going to be easier to do the things that we have to do in life. It's going to be easier to be a good employee or a good boss or to be a good parent, to be a good child, to maybe aging parents. To It doesn't matter what situation you're in. If you are right with God and you are right with the people closest to you and you sow into those relationships, you're going to be blessed. Your parenting is going to be better. All of the different things. Your discipline is going to be better. Your care is going to be better. And so I want to encourage you in that. Ephesians 4, 2. Uh, two and three says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Care for one another. Love each other. Love your kids. Keep tension low. There's a lot of times we don't need to raise the tension in our life. Soft answers turn away wrath. Soft things. We don't want our kids to not want to come to us. We want them to come, even if it's 1030, which... I'm ready to go to bed. For some reason, that's always when they want to talk, always. I want them to come and get on the bed and snuggle in and sit there, soft answer. Even things that maybe we wouldn't want them to do. I want them to come and talk to us about it. And how we live, how we model, who we are makes all the difference. As we close in uh, maybe the last few things here, looking to the future. Um, you know, when I think of parenting, there's some of you that are in the room 
And maybe you are pregnant, maybe you just started, you've got little babies, maybe you've got kids that are teenagers. We can't believe we have a 14-year-old, or almost in, in a couple weeks, a 13-year-old now, uh, down to 7-year-old, five kids in that small range. There might be seasons where you don't enjoy. And you know what? I think that's just fine. People always say, savor every moment. You know what? I did not savor the baby stage. I hated the baby stage. I do not like diapers. I don't like crying things, any crying things. I don't like whining. Uh, I'm just being real. I loved my children, but I did not like that stage. And maybe you're like me, or maybe right now you're like, I am super judging Pastor Chris because that's ridiculous. And that's okay too. But we might be in spots in our lives where it's difficult. And there's a future coming, and in the season, you keep going. You'll be to a new season real soon, because it happens really, really fast. And I want to encourage you. Maybe you have little kids, or maybe you have kids that are in middle school, or now it's high school. Maybe dating is starting. Maybe they're in college, wherever it is. There's going to be a day when you're on the other side. And I'm going to be real. I love parenting now that my kids are older. But you know what I also am not, like, I'll be okay with is being a grandparent someday, having kids come home. Like, my dad, he has shown that it's pretty great. Like, it's really great. Sometimes kids are like, can you take our five children? And they'll watch them for a whole week. And you know what? By the end of a week, dad is ready for them to go home, ready to He's go texting. home. texting. When are you coming home yeah, again? Like, <laughs> is it time Are yet? you here at two or three or when? Because I'll even drop them off at your house. You know, I'll be there. Sort of a deal. And you know what? You get to do that. Uh, a few weeks ago, or two weeks ago, we had people in our home, and there was one set of our friends who they're about to be empty nesters, and then some new friends, they were like, you know what? We were super concerned. We thought it was going to be horrible. It took them about two weeks, and they decided, this empty nest thing is pretty great. Like, it's pretty great. And, you know, wherever you are in that, there's a future season coming, and just keep being faithful. Keep being consistent. If you love it, guess what? It's going to go away sometime. So enjoy that season. So if that's, you don't, again, why you need to date your spouse. Date because your spouse, your spouse is going to be there long after your children are gone. And when you have an empty nest and it's just the two of you, you better still have a relationship with one another or it's going to be a long life. you got to figure it out real fast, right? So don't, don't get there. In fact, I believe that, you know, Chandler's not in here. So our youngest, by the time he's about ready to be out of the house, I have a feeling we're going to be okay with that. Like, it's going to be all right. But you know what else? We're going to have dated. We love each other now, and we will then. And we're going to be able to go do things we couldn't do maybe with, with kids in the home. Or we're going to have different opportunities. And that's all right. And so we love the season now. We love where we've been, even though I'm so glad we're here and not there. And someday we're going to be on the other side. And I want to maybe close just thinking of the future that I want to encourage you, maybe parents, or maybe you're a grandparent in the room. You're, you're done with the whole kids in your home uh, time. And I want to encourage you to be prepared to bless your children. And that means maybe some of you, you're just financially blessed. And that's, praise God, like God is good. And uh, you know what? I would encourage you to do what you need to do to be able to bless your children. When my parents, they were not rich by any means. Uh, as we got older, they, I think things got maybe easier, more comfortable. But when I was a kid, I loved to golf. I golfed all the time. I, got, I made it so I could golf free at the golf course right by my house. And there was a, a, a guy that he blessed me to be able to go to Pine Needles Resort, a part of a Fellowship of Christian Athletes golf camp, where there were pro golfers there. It was a L, LPGA uh, US Open championship course. It cost way more than my parents could just throw out $1,500 or whatever to fly me there and to do the camp. And someone blessed me, not because they were my dad or they were my grandparent, because we are the body of Christ, because we're a family here. And it's possible that you've already lived through this, and you might identify a person or two that you can actually sow into right now, whether it be by sending them to a camp, or maybe it's a, a youth camp, something that the church does. Maybe it's connecting with Pastor Mike or Pastor Dave and say, hey, I just would love every camp season to pay for a, a student to go to camp, someone that... Maybe they've got a call of ministry, or, or maybe they just they can't afford it. Maybe they're family that I want to help. I want to encourage you. Your parenting, your grandparenting, it's not over. Maybe finding someone and finding a, a young person, say, hey, do you think I could just maybe you know, hang out with your kid, take a couple, or take a parent and a child out and just talk and hang out? You're not done. You're not done yet. But also, parents, maybe right now you have young kids in the house. You've got teenagers. 
And it's hard to think of retirement or it's hard to think of future. But my parents were able, when we uh, purchased our home, which happened to be their home, they were able to bless us with a chunk of money or not sell the house for as much as it was worth to be able to help us get into the home we're in. That it probably wouldn't have been possible at the time without that. That takes some pre-thought. It takes some planning. It takes being good. It takes giving to the Lord because my parents, my dad, he believes, and I believe that when we give to the Lord, that the Lord blesses us back. So it's not about hoarding money. It's about being faithful and sowing into what God's doing. So he's sowing into what we're doing. And it was such a blessing to be able to see that happen, that we're now in their home, in the home that, that they, he built by, with his hands. We've been able to add on to it. We've been able to have, I bet, 400 people in our home in the last two years during pandemic time because they blessed us. And we want to be able to bless our children that someday maybe we help with a down payment on a house. Maybe we help with something that they need. Maybe there's a moment when they need a car and they're being faithful to the Lord and we can supply and give them a car in a place that we don't have to anymore. We don't have to anyways. Or maybe even when we someday pass away that we could have money that we've saved to bless our kids. And I want to encourage you, whatever age you are in this room, how can you use what God has given you? to sow into future generations, to your kids, but maybe also other kids that are around you, a part of your church family, uh, maybe somebody that God would lead to you. And I believe when we're faithful to the Lord, he's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of you. And maybe you're later on in life and you're like, oh man, I don't have any money. I don't. You know what? I believe right where you are, if you're faithful to the Lord, he'll give you the right person to hand a $20 bill to. That might be a huge sacrifice. And it might mean the world to some kid. And you might not even really know them. But I believe if God will speak and if you'll listen, that he'll show you who you could be a blessing to. And something that's not that big a deal, it doesn't matter that much, might mean the world to one of these kids in this church or to one of your children because you've been faithful. You've set aside what he's doing. And what it's all about is leaving a legacy that is God-honoring, that is God-fearing, that allows and puts your kids ahead, leaving a legacy. And when I look around this, this place, I can't believe it. Pastor Dave, sometimes we just sit and we uh, are like, this is amazing what God did with a dream and Pastor Dave and Kay's heart in 1980, that all of a sudden there's millions and millions of millions of dollars worth of property that get us so into kids. 220, I think almost 30 kids are in our daycare every week. That now weekly are having chapel and having pastors and pastoral team and volunteers that come and read Bible stories and come and sow into them and come and have art class. And there's nothing like sowing into what God is doing as a church family, for sure, but today in your own kids, in your own future. And there may be some of you today that you're someday you believe you're going to be married. You know what? This might be crazy, but I encourage you start saving now for retirement. And not so you can just spend it, so you can give it away. Start saving now so someday you can be a blessing to your future family. And I believe in the spiritual things, the deposits we place, as well as in what God would bless us financially. Let's be faithful. Let's love one another. Let's honor one another. Let's be good parents. Let's parent well, Radiant Life as a team, the, the kids that are in this church. And not expect more out of parents that are doing their best. And they might be doing, in your opinion, not as good as they should. But you know what they're doing? The best they can. Let's help. Let's build each other up. And who knows what God might have you do. Maybe in your 70s or your 80s or your 90s that you thought that season was over. And God might just bring a new grandkid in your life. He might new, bring a new son or daughter into your life. They're not biological, but they're a spiritual son or daughter. Don't. Don't let that ship sail. Don't let it sh uh, sail too early, but let God reveal to who you, who you, and how you can pour into a future generation. And it starts in your home, but we get to do it every Sunday. That's why I love church. That's why I love coming together. Because our home, the seven of us, our, our extended family, we're going to be meeting together and hang, hanging out as mom and dad just came back from three weeks in Missouri with my brother and their family helping actually build huge addition onto it and the space in their home. There's nothing better, Pastor Dave, than being able to do that, right? Let's be what God has called us to be. Let's be the family. Parent, if you're struggling, you can do it. You're going to make it. Keep going. If you're in a relationship struggle right now, maybe your marriage is really difficult. 
honor the spouse. Honor your spouse. Honor him or her. You're going to make it. Don't do it alone. Get help. Whatever you need, you are going to make it. God's got you. He loves you. Pastor Rachel, we've gone over our time. Sorry, hopefully this has been beneficial this morning, but would you pray just a prayer of blessing over everybody before we send them out to be the best parents, to be the best spouse, to be the best people that we can to love our world? Lord, we thank you this morning for just who you are and your love for us, God. Lord, I pray that above all else, Lord, that we would know who we are in you and that we would be people who resemble you to the people around us. God, I pray blessing, God, over each person in this room today, God, each person maybe listening online, Lord, that you would just bless them this week, God, that you would bless their relationships, you would bless their, their marriages and their dating relationships and their, them as parents, God, that you would help their relationships with their kids, God, to be strong and their relationships with one another to be strong. Yes, God, I pray for people who are maybe in a dating season right now, God, that you would help them to be intentional in setting good yes. boundaries and that they would, they would not throw away the gifts that you have given them, God, um, too soon and too early, Lord, but they would hold tight to you and the things that you have, God, and that they would honor you in what they say and what they do and how they act, God. I pray for anybody in a waiting season right now, God, from really young, God, to, to maybe older, Lord, I pray that you would help them to dig deep in you in this season, God that you would help them to find out who they are, God, and they would be solid in that, and they would be firm in their belief in you and of who they are. Lord, I just pray that you would bless each one, God. I pray that you would bless them financially, Lord, as they prepare for the future. God, I pray that, that everybody under the sound of my voice, Lord, would be able to be set up to bless people, God, in whatever way and whatever means it is that you have gifted them, God, that it would be for now and it would be for the future, Lord, that they would find people who they can invest in and they can pour into, God, whether it's their time or their money, Lord, that we would be family, Lord, here at Radiant Life and that you would strengthen the families and the marriages in this room today, God. For anyone who might be struggling, I pray, God, that you would help them to honor one another first and foremost, God, that they would find just even one thing, Lord, that they could speak life into and that they could pour into and they could find uh, they could find you in, Lord. So help them today, God. Bless each one. Let them have an amazing week, Lord. Strengthen them in all they say and do, God. And let them see the favor of you, Lord, in every area of their life. We praise you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Rachel, for joining me this morning. Thank you for being here, being a part of Radiant Life Church. We love you so much. This week, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. Have a good one.